Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne chose. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinaro, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, December 13. We are 11 minutes past 10 o'clock. We are later than usual because we just saw something that is pretty unusual. A shootout that went to, I think, 12 rounds because at one point it was so many that I even got confused. As a matter of fact, if we can, do we have the graphics showing the shootout and all the players that went up and shot and the ones who scored and the ones who didn't? Look at that. Suzuki went first and he scored. Latang countered and scored. Caulfield went up as the second shooter and scored. Crosby went up and he scored. So now Yulinen has a chance to go up with the Canadians and he misses. He hits the post. Gensel ends up hitting the crossbar. Slavkowski misses. Malkin misses. Armia misses. Riley Smith misses. Dvorak misses. Carlson misses. And then Sean Monahan scores on a real quick shot. And he has the chance to give, well, it can end right there if the Pittsburgh Penguins miss their next shot. But Lars Eller, what does he do? He goes upstairs on Montembeau. He says, no, no, we're not ending this night just yet. So then Matheson goes up. He misses. Carter misses. Pizzetta misses. Pustinen misses. Evans misses. Zahorna misses. Gallagher misses. Hinostroza misses. Anderson misses. And then Harkins with a shot that trickles by Samuel Montembeau. And the Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 4-3 to three in a shootout to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I know that some people are going to be upset because the Montreal Canadiens obviously had a real good chance to win this hockey game. I mean, the Canadiens went up 1-0, 6-24 into period number one. They were up 2-0, 12-21 into period number one. As a matter of fact, before we get to Craig Button, let's see if we can bring it up. Some of the goals that were scored in this game by period. And we'll show you that the Montreal Canadiens there once again. David Savard back in the lineup. He started the game. He was absolutely on fire. Like, I, I felt it right here. Back in LaSalle. Look at it. That's David Savard right there. Struble jumps it to the play, and he makes it 2-0. Sidney Crosby ties it, uh, narrows the lead in close. Monahan puts the Canadians up again by two goals. Um the Canadians go up by a score of 3-1 on a power play. Sean Monaghan scores where Matheson's shot just trickles by, but it stops on the line, and Matt Monaghan just pushes it in. They go to period number two, and Genzel on the power play 
And less than six minutes later, about five and a half minutes later, Sidney Crosby also scores on a power play. That ties the game at three. No goals in the third period. The Canadians go on the power play in overtime where Malkin trips Caulfield. But the Canadians, even though they got a power play goal tonight, early on in the game in period number one, their power play let them down for the rest of the game. And, you know, this is probably a missed opportunity or some view it as a missed opportunity because the Montreal Canadiens lost against the Pittsburgh Penguins team that played last night when the Canadians were resting. But as for me, you know me, if you're going to miss the playoffs, I want the best possible pick. I'm in that category. Tonight is one of the best scenarios you can get. What an exciting game and a loss. Without further ado, TSN, Director of Scouting. I know he was watching the game and the shootout because we were texting back and forth. Craig Button, how are you? I am good. I, I was wondering where Merrick Malik was. Yeah. That's what we needed. We needed Merrick Malik between the legs and then coming by and doing a great celebration and that, on that long shootout. That's what it reminded me of. And give the Penguins some credit. They had to they had to score a number of times to keep the shootout going. And, yeah. And they yeah. kept doing it, as you just pointed out. But, uh, yeah, you know, you think about the power play in overtime. You know, Montreal controlled the puck in the, just about the entire overtime. Drew the penalty, had some really good looks, and Adelkovic played really well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, it's a game where I, I have to anticipate that Marty post game is going to say, I like the way we played. You know, that yeah. I, I think we would have liked to have got two points. That goes without saying, but he, he has to like the way they played. I know two power play goals for the Penguins. You know, you always want your penalty killing to be a little bit better yeah. in that regard, but. I think there was a lot there for the Canadians to like and for Marty St. Louis to to feel good about. Craig, I just thought, though, that in the overtime, it looked like they were looking for Caulfield too much. Whether Caulfield would set up at the point or whether he would set up on the left-hand side and he's a right-handed shot, you just got the feeling that no one was going to shoot. And at one point, Nick Suzuki had fed Caulfield probably 10 seconds before and probably about 30 seconds before that looked like he was going to feed him again. And he took a quick shot on that. And I was happy he did because that's how you erase some of that predictability, right? You get away from certain patterns every now and then, and you give them a different look. So I was happy Suzuki did that. But once again, the power play let them down uh, when they actually could have won the game. Yeah. I mean, it did, but I mean, you know, when, when you have a power play moving the puck around and, and, and maybe a little bit too predictable, but you got goaltenders trying to stop the puck and you got defensemen trying to block passes across. I, I thought Montreal was in control though. And, you know, I think that now, now the next steps and it's obviously trying to get the puck in the net, but I think everything that Montreal did was, was positive. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's where this team is at. You're looking to build your game and some days and some games, it's going to be by inches some games you, you might grow by a half a foot, but all in all, I, I, I think it's a growth game for the Montreal Canadiens. I, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are leaving the Bell Center tonight yeah. relieved. Yeah. I think they're, they're not leaving there going, well, we deserve to win. Not, not, not that they didn't play well. I, I think they're leaving the bill going, relieved. Like they're relieved. Like they're they're going. Geez, we're we. They're the ones who are going to have to face all the questions about. Oh yeah, you win a game and now you come back and lose a game. I the Penguins are like, whoa, geez, wow, whoa. yeah. Good thing we got two out of there. Let me ask you, Craig. How relieved do you think Mike Sullivan was? And yes, he did win. You know, last night before winning this game, but the Penguins are out of a playoff spot in the East. We know if we take a look at the age of some of their players. 
I believe Jeff Carter's 39, Carlson's 33, Crosby's 35, Latang and Malkin are 36. This is a team that is in win now mode. The, 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 you know, at the moment they took the decision to hold on to Latang, Malkin, and Crosby, they're telling everyone we still want to go for it. As long as these guys are playing, we're going to try and go for it. And add to that, I mean, that Sullivan is what, in his ninth year as head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, that's, you know, that's a very, very long tenure. And and the message tends to wear out. How relieved do you think Sullivan was, yes or no? Oh, I think he was relieved. Uh, you want to get two points. You, you, you have parts of the game where you needed to be sharper. You, you fall behind 3-1. Your power play, which had been terrible for the Pittsburgh Penguins, finds a way to get two goals. Yeah. And then you find a way to stay alive in the shootout and ultimately win it. So I, I think there's satisfaction there. The Pittsburgh Penguins' problems are not Mike Sullivan, uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Crystal Tang. The problems are is they only have about 12 skaters that can help the team. They got, they got six skaters, maybe seven skaters that can't help this team. You cannot win in this league without depth. The Pittsburgh Penguins' problems are not 71, 58, 87, or, or the coach. They don't have enough depth. I, I hear you. Uh, at the same, And the reason why I brought it up is because Mike Sullivan was just recently given the vote of confidence. And you know what the adage is in hockey, right? Right <laughs> after the vote of confidence comes the axe. So... Look, okay, uh, we have some uh, some some stats here. Sidney Crosby was once again able to move himself up in the history books in the National Hockey League, and we have two things we can bring up. He boosted his career totals to 566 goals, 967 assists, 1,533 points. He moved into a tie with Mark Recchi for 13th place on the NHL all-times points list. Uh, I also saw another stat. Uh, which I have here. I actually took a picture of it once I saw it up on the screen uh, watching the game, and that is um, Sidney Crosby, most three-point games in NHL history. Wayne Gretzky running away with that, 459 (laughs) three-point games. Mario Lemieux, 272. Marcel Dion, 202. Yarmir Yager, 195. Mark Messier, 183. Phil Esposito, the same. Sidney Crosby, 172. So there you have it. Sidney Crosby. Seventh all-time in National Hockey League history for three-point games. My question to you before we shift the conversation to the Montreal Canadiens, because a lot of people watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live are like, let's talk Habs. But my question to you is, if his career would end tomorrow morning and he would announce his retirement, I'm talking about Sidney Crosby. Where does Craig Button have Sidney Crosby all-time? Yeah, I, I, well, I have him fifth. I have him fifth all the time. And, and I have him fifth, to, like, right now. I have him fifth. Now, or Gretzky, Lemieux, and Howard there. And, and, and I had a, we had a conversation a few couple of years ago. Steve Dryden, the managing editor at TSN, who's done so much work over the years and trying to compile lists of, of best players in, in, in the men's game, in the women's game. We've done a lot of work on that together. And we were having this good discussion. Well, Steve got Scotty Bowman on the line because I was we were we were discussing does Sidney Crosby move into the top four? And Scotty went through it. And he made it pretty clear that there is no player at this point in time that is moving into the top four. 
not Crosby, not McDavid. The, 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 there's got to be a lot more there. I mean, keep in mind, Messier has, what, 2,000 points? Yeah. Yager, they're yeah. not there. Okay, so it's not just about points. We know that I, – I think – like I, I got to recall, I'm, I'm, I'm paired. I think Scotty said Gordy Howe was one or two in league scoring for 17 years. He was a first or team, first or – I know there was only 16. He said nobody dominated – like as best player in the league for as long as Gordy Howe did. Nobody, nobody did. He said Bobby Orr might have been able to do it if he stayed injury free because he dominated for his career. Yeah, we know what Gretzky did. We know what. So Sydney's five. Sydney's five, and I don't think he's like for me. He's not moving into four. We'll so wait I, and see what yeah. happens with McDavid. We'll wait and see what happens with McDavid. Yeah, he, he, he's the only other guy there that could make a run at it. But you know that that that's where I have uh, Sydney. So I have to tell you this, you know, uh, Gretzky and Lemieux are obviously at the top of my list uh, being born in 1972. I didn't have a chance to see Bobby Orr and I didn't have a chance to see Gordy Howe, but obviously I, uh, I know everything there is to know about them. The players I did see, Mark Messier is elite and in a conversation of top 20. Um, Yarmir Yager is elite and in a conversation of top 20 for sure. And, and there's others and, uh, and, uh, you know, I saw Lafleur, and I saw Bossy and I saw, um, you know, obviously Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackick and, and Peter Forsberg, and there's so many others. The reason why I'm saying this is Sidney Crosby, for me, is ahead of all those guys in terms of, you know, outside of Gretzky and Lemieux that I saw in my lifetime, all the other guys that I saw. Mark Messier was very complete. There's no doubt. He can play any way you want it to play. Um, I think Crosby is... I think Crosby's got a little bit more. I think Crosby's got a little bit more. I want to tell you what players said playing against uh, Bobby Orr. Yeah, they said that he only played in the NHL because there wasn't a better league for him to play in. He had to he had to settle for playing in the night. Bobby Orr controlled the game. He changed the game. That's amazing. He was the, yeah. he was the, he was the best player. Name me a defenseman that won the scoring title. I'll not name Bobby Orr. Well, you won't. Like he did it twice. He did it twice. And yeah. Gordy Howe, I just gave it. Just because you didn't see a player play doesn't mean they're not any good. I would suggest you talk to Scotty. Scotty oh, yeah. will no, change no, your sure. mind. Scotty no. will change your mind, Tony. And I know you said from what you've watched, fair enough, from what you've watched, from what we yeah. all watch. Yeah. Talk to Scotty. Scotty made it very clear that there really is no debate. Yeah. No, no. I I, I hear you out. I hear you out. Uh, okay. Let's, let's get to the Montreal Canadiens now. Uh, Cole Caulfield, we've been talking about him a lot because it just seems like uh, everyone now is expecting him to score. Marty St. Louis came <laughs> out yesterday and said, and said, we're having a hard time scoring right now. And what we got to do is we got to get closer to the net and we got to go to those areas where you pay the price and we got to get inside. We got to get inside the dots. We, we got to. And, and so we've been talking about that because everyone knows that you score a lot of goals in the National Hockey League as close to the net as possible. But you have to be willing to go there, and you have to want to pay that price. And earlier today on uh, on, on BPM Sports Radio, and I was on TVS Sports Television as well, we talked about this, and I said, it's, it's great what Marty's saying, but I don't think, and, and you and I have talked about the makeup of this team, and you've talked about that it could be, you know, it's pretty small. Uh, or or maybe there's a couple too many small players compared to other teams. So we talked about this, and, you know, there's not everyone wants to go to those areas. Gallagher definitely wants to go to those areas. Monaghan definitely wants to go to those areas. Nick Suzuki doesn't always go. 
Josh Anderson doesn't always go. Uh, Yoel Armia doesn't always go. How problematic do you think that is, that the Canadians, the makeup of their team, there aren't too many guys that will go to where they need to go, where you you have to pay the price to score a goal? Well, you, you keep this in mind too, Tony. There, there's teams that are defending that inner slot and that slot area fiercely. Like, it's not, I don't think it's a question of, of guys not wanting to go there. I mean, there's players that just, I mean, Joel Armia can go there all he wants. He's not going to score goals. I don't, he's just not a goal scorer. Brennan Gallagher is as hungry a guy as you'll ever meet. His goal scoring prowess has fallen off. So it's not just about going to the net. And, and, and going to the dirty areas. It's it, it's it's about being able to have finish. It's about being able to do it. Cole Caulfield does it differently than other players. But I don't think the Montreal Canadiens' issues are about not, not a lack of willingness to go to the net. They don't have enough skill. They don't have enough skill throughout their lineup in, in different areas. Kristen Dvorak, I mean, he's your second-line center. Like, um, like, he doesn't have enough skill. So what, what are we expecting? Uh, like, Josh Anderson has one goal. Like, what are we expecting? Go to the net and all of a sudden they're going to score? They aren't. They don't, yeah. have the, they don't have the capabilities. I mean, I, I, asked, I asked Bob Ganey this one time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I said, Bob, you know, you, you, you know your, your hand skills were so good checking. He goes, checking hand skills and scoring hand skills are two completely different things. He goes, I used to go home every summer and shoot the puck and hit the net and come back and think, oh, this is the year I'll get 30. He goes, your hands have to be able to do what your eyes see. That in itself, they have to be connected. And, it, like, you know, you got, you got guys blocking shots, laying down, sticks out and everything. I don't I don't think the Canadians have a lack of willingness to, to, to go and pay the price around the net. They, got a lack of, they, they don't have enough skill. Uh, David Savard was, is a guy that was, uh, I think it was hurt what game five into the season or whatever it was. They were in Buffalo blocked the shot. Pretty cool story, by the way, because he blocked a couple of shots. I think it was on a Sabres power play and ended up fra- fracturing his hand. And, um, and, um, Pat McAfee talked about it on ESPN and said, look, I know you know, hockey players are the best and look at his courage. I don't know if you had a chance to see this. But David Savard ended up sending him, you know, a picture of him blocking the shots in Buffalo. And I, I think ended up signing and sending it off to Pat McAfee. But Savard came in and he was all over the place, especially in period number one. I thought him and Monaghan were particularly good for the Canadians tonight. Scored the opening goal. Here's a guy that has makes $3.5 million a year. After this year, he's got another year on his contract. Um, what do you think... Um, the market would be for a defenseman like that. The Canadians a couple of years ago traded Ben Sherratt, who I think was in a, was he in a similar situation? I'm not sure if he had one year left or no, I think he was was in the final. He he was pending. Yeah. He was in the final year. He had signed a three-year deal, 10.5 with the Canadians. He was in three years. So uh, a year three of his contract. So he was traded pretty much right before the deadline. What do you think Savard would get you? So how about if I – I'm not switching it on you. I'm just switching yeah. it around this little way. So we hear a lot about teams that are Stanley Cup contenders, right? Yes. Well, what are the Stanley Cup contenders going to do? Like, you, are, are, are you going to go and pay the price to get a David Savard who won a Stanley Cup for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning? What did Tampa Bay Lightning give up to get David Savard? 
was it did they not give up a first round pick and uh yeah, yeah I, and I some think they gave up and... like I think didn't they give up a first round pick? Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah. I believe they did too. So if you want to be serious about winning, go give up a first round draft pick. That's the market for for uh David Savard. Now you know what I'll hear? Oh, you can't give up a first round draft. Well, good, then you're not interested in winning. You're the Edmonton Oilers, go get David Savard. You know what? You're the you're you're, you're the LA Kings and you want to take a you, you want to improve your team? Go get David Savard. Don't even get me talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, they're just, I mean, they, they, they could use three David Savards, you know, but I, I don't know what first-round picks they have. But these teams, a lot of teams talk out of both sides of the mouth, Tony. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're interested in winning. We're all in. We're here to do this and everything. Well, then trade the first-round pick because David Savard will help you win. It will help you be better and strengthen your team. He's yeah. proven it. $3.5 million. I'd be yeah. all over him. I would offer the first round pick, offer to come and pick him up, put him on my bicycle, and I'd cycle him all the way back to the city I was in. Yeah. I uh, looked it up, Craig. Back in April of 2021, the Tampa Bay Lightning gave up a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick to Columbus. And they also sent a 2021 fourth round pick to Detroit who ended up retaining a quarter of Savard's $4.25 million cap hit at the time. So it was a three-team, three-way trade, and they ended up ultimately giving three picks for him, a first, a third, and a fourth. That was a couple of years but, ago. Do, do you know why? Because Julian Brisebois lets his actions speak. You know what? So many managers in all sports, they, they talk, oh, it's hard to make a trade. Oh, you don't know the salary cap. You yeah. know what? Hey, pay Look, I saw I saw Joe Sackett make a trade for Josh Manson. Like I saw Kelly McCrimmon make a trade for uh, Jack Eichel and, and and fix his team. A lot of managers, oh, they're great at talking the game. They don't play the game. Either you're in or you're out. Julian Breezeball has been in. You you want you want to talk about winning? You better get serious about talking and giving up something for David Savard. If I'm the Edmonton Oilers, I'm giving away. Anything in the future, three and four years out, you have my first round pick this year, next year, the year after. Because I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get McDavid and Drysdale on that team stronger to compete for a Stanley Cup. Everything. Craig, how difficult is it a decision when you're weighing either parting ways with a player in terms of a trade, or keeping that player around to be a mentor? How would you weigh that particular situation? I'm going to give you an example. On the left-hand side, you have Michael Matheson. On the right-hand side, you have David Savard. On the left-hand side, you have Lane Hudson, who at the end of the year with BU is going to be signed to a professional contract by Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens. He told that to Jimmy Murphy and Pierre Maguire, who are on the Sick Podcast Network, hosting the eye test. He said that. David Savard on the right-hand side, you have a couple of players. You have one in Laval by the name of Logan Mayu, and you have another one uh, who's playing in Switzerland by the name of David Reinbacher. Uh, if Mayu comes up at the end of the year and, and Lane Hudson comes up at the end of the year, Savard could be there to mentor Mayu. Matheson could be there to mentor Hudson. How would you weigh the importance of either keeping them around to mentor or trading them to get prospects. Yeah. It's a, you know, 
I think it's something you're always uh, considering. Uh, and, and you got to look at the makeup of your team. You got to look at, like, you, we talk about mentoring, right? Well, you know, you're stepping up to the National Hockey League, and 20-year-old defensemen uh, have a tough time, you know, holding their own in the NHL. They, they just do. Now, the more you have, the harder it's going to be. So, you know, there's a young there's a young defense group there. I mean, Jonathan Kovacevic, you know, you can look at his birth certificate, but he doesn't have a lot of games under his belt. Jane Struble's come in and played really well for the Montreal Canadiens. You, you have Jordan Harris, who doesn't have a lot of games under his belt. Arbor Jackey, who's now in Laval, not a lot of games under his belt. Now you're going to bring in Hudson, you're going to bring in Reinbacker, you're going to bring in uh, Logan Mayu. I, I think you have to stagger them. That's what I think you have to do. And you want to – I don't – mentoring is one thing. I You want to give your coach – an opportunity to put players in situations that they can handle, depending on where they're at on the development path. And if, if you start putting young players into situations that they can't handle and you start putting them into where, where they might get overwhelmed and, 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 and a coach is looking down the bench, he's, Marty knows if a player is feeling overwhelmed or if the matchup is not favorable to him. Mm -hmm. you you gotta, you got to protect the player and the coach. And, and I don't say that in a negative way about protecting a coach because the coach might have to put the player in the, in, out on the ice and it's not favorable. So I think that keeping experienced defensemen around and, and, and ensuring that what you're trying to do is significant. Now, listen, I'm not saying, listen, I love David Ward. I love the way he plays. I think he's a hard-nosed competitor. I attack this from the, from the point of view of a team saying, you know, if we want to win – I'm going after that guy. I'm going after David Savard. That's the type of defenseman I want on my team. And when you when you consider now what he means to to, to a young group of players, just the way he plays, how hard he plays, I'll, I'll take you back in time. Mm -hmm. What did Shea Weber mean to the blue line core and the defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens when he was there? Yeah, he, he meant a lot for sure. But there was and then, never... so so you have to you have to weigh that though you yeah. have to weigh that you have to you don't want to you know the NHL you, you know for young players yeah you want to be careful about throwing them in the deep end yeah but if I can the Craig, NHL has if I can yeah, different ahead. situation with Shea Weber right when the Canadians acquired Shea Weber it was to make them a better team with the goal of before Weber's career would be over and price to try and go for that Stanley Cup that one shot they went all in a couple of years ago we know they went to the final this is a different situation they're in a rebuild and keeping Matheson around or Savard around they're not going to win a Stanley Cup right so now the question is you know if you acquire draft picks for these players that can help you along in the process of winning a cup mind you if you keep them around and they mentor young players that too can also help you in the process, and that's why I'm asking how you weigh it. Well, but yeah, no, I, I, I think you have to weigh it. My point about Shea Weber was how much he yeah. helped the uh, how much he helped the For defense score, sure. yes. right? Yeah, and, and 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 it's wonderful and everything. We can look back at it. And, you know, getting draft picks. So let's just say you go and get draft picks for David Savard right now. Well, good. That'll help you in three years. So you got you to gotta start factoring in, okay, what's the balance? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story with you. Yeah. So I'm in Calgary. It's my first year in Calgary. Tommy Abilene, who, who is an unbelievable person and really good, solid defenseman and won a Stanley Cup in New Jersey. Yeah. And, and just, a, just a great person. And I loved him. 
And so we had Robin Regeer, Denny Gauthier, Tony Ludman, and Derek Morris, four young defensemen in our team. Lou Lamorello phoned me, and he asked me about Tommy Abilene. He'd had him. He knew he was trying to strengthen his team. And I said to uh, I said to Lou, I said, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say he offered a fourth-round draft pick. But that was basically the market price for a pending unrestricted free agent back at, at that time. And I said, uh, I said, Lou, I said, if you're interested in talking about a second-round draft pick, uh, for sure, uh, okay, he goes, Craig, I can't give you a second-round draft pick for, for Tommy Abilene. He goes, I'll be without a job. I said, Lou, I said, don't worry. If you're without a job, I'll hire you. He laughed because I wasn't letting him get away with that little comment. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, it, but Lou was great, and I love Lou. Lou said to me, he goes, help me understand why you want a second-round draft pick for him. I said, I got four young defensemen before I just named. I got 16 or 17 games at that time left in the season. That's 64 to 68 games left in the season. And, and it's really important that I don't throw those young defensemen to the Wolves. And Tommy Abilene is a really big part of that. And Lou says to me, he goes, I respect that. He goes, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. I went to Tommy and I said to Tommy, I said, I just want to let you know I had a conversation with Lou. He goes, no, 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 I'm happy here. He goes, no, that's great. You got to do what's best for the team. We never traded Tommy. And Tommy, as a mentor for those young defensemen, was really important. Now, Lou is asking for it, right? And and, and maybe the, the the offer becomes so significant for Kent that he can't say no. But I think you have to weigh where your young defensemen are today, where your young defensemen are going to be in a year, because keep this in mind too. David Savard can walk at the end of next year, <laughs> next season. He's got he, he's got two years left after this year. He's got this year and one more year. Excuse me. So he can walk after next season. So you you got to weigh that out, and and maybe maybe weighing it out is saying we're going to keep him this year, and we're going to and, and we'll revisit it next year. That like that might be it from Kent's point of view. From a, from a team looking to strengthen their team, I'm, I'm I'm phoning Kent Hughes every day to try to get David Savard. I'll tell you a uh, Lou Lamorello story. So Rajon Hul calls Lou Lamorello, and uh, he says. Uh, I want Stefan Richet. What's it going to take? And there's call waiting. And Lou says, hold the line. So they did the deal for Odeline. That's a joke, by the way. That was yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know. <laughs> you heard that one before, huh? I didn't hear it, but I give. But I did. some jokes. I listen. I'm not the quickest of people at times, Tony. But I got yeah. that one. And, uh, good one. Good Lou, one. Lou is great, but yeah. but that goes to the mentoring thing, right? And, yeah. and but I went to the player too. I also went to the player, and and I think you you have to include your player in this too, and, and just talking to him and not like you know, hey, here's where we're at. Like uh, you know, you say to David, David, here here's the calls I've got. How do you feel about that? Right? Yeah. Because maybe David wants to take a run at trying to win a Stanley. Cup or two, or you know, in the next couple of years, I Got get it. that too. And, yeah. and then you try to understand it. I don't think David Savard would be any less of a mentor staying in Montreal, but but I think the dialogue and the conversation has to be one that's open with the player, and 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 he becomes part of the uh, part of the dialogue in yeah. terms of what you see him as, how he sees him, and then you proceed from there as well. Hey, Nick Suzuki played twenty six minutes and twenty five seconds tonight. 
That's unreal. We had a conversation yesterday with uh, Grant McCagg and with uh, Simon Boisvert, and the conversation was, can Nick Suzuki be a number one center on a cup winner? And it seems like both gentlemen were leaning towards no. He would be a perfect number two. How do you view that? Was the number one center on the uh, St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup winning team? Was it Braden? Twenty nineteen. Was Shen? Uh, I think it was O'Reilly. I think it was Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, O'Reilly. Uh, who, who 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 was the number one center last year on the Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup winning team? Was it uh, Chandler Stevenson? Well, I don't know. Was it Chandler yeah. Stevenson? Was it William Carlson? Yeah. Was it Jack Eichel? Yeah. Who was it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, like, Jack Eichel's the heard... most talented guy, but yeah. Well, I, I heard you couldn't win with Jack Eichel. Yeah. I heard that. I heard that around in circles around the thing. Nick Suzuki? Okay, so, like, what are we trying to do? Like, so, so you're asking yourself, can you win with Nick Suzuki? The answer is absolutely yes. The answer is absolutely yes. There, there, there should be no hesitation to win with Nick Suzuki. I think it all depends what you surround him with. If, if you have good centers behind him that can play and carry significant play – like the Vegas Gold Knights, yeah, you can have Nick Suzuki as your first line center. I have no question. Is he a, is he a McKinnon? Is he a Crosby? Is he a McKinnon? No. How many of those guys are there? How many of those? Listen, Patrice Bergeron was pretty bloody good for a lot of years. You know, he only won one Stanley Cup. I asked the Boston Bruins if they could win with Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I can win with Nick Suzuki as my number one center. But, but it's not first- about putting it all on him. Yeah, like it's about how you how you make your team deeper. But Patrice Bergeron, you know, I think he won Frank's, six Frank Selkies, and uh, Ryan O'Reilly's been in that conversation for the last seven or eight years. In 2011, in 2011, Patrice Bergeron had won six yeah. Frank Selkie you're trophies. Right about that. You're right about okay. that. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, let's, um, keep, let's keep that clear. <laughs> no, and I, I like where you're going with this because at the end of the day, your answer is if, uh, you know, you want to win the Stanley Cup. You want to put chances on your side. You need a lot of depth at the center ice position. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for the Toronto Maple Leafs with Tavares, with Matthews, and with Ryan O'Reilly. But most of the time, if you're very deep at center, you talked about that Vegas team last year, Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, and Nicholas Roy. That's deep. You talk about that Los Angeles Kings team this season, Ansi Kopitar, Phil Deneau, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Trevor Lewis. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep. It, it, it is very deep. And yeah. again, like surrounding your, like, you know, making your team, you know, strong in different areas of, of your, of, of your game and, and whatnot. I mean, like Elias Lindholm's a really, really good center for the Calgary flames. And I, I have to imagine that some team is going to trade for him uh, prior to the trade deadline with, with the Calgary flames. But you know, they don't all come the same way. Nick is tell me, I'm going to ask you a question, Tony. Yeah. And you can ask anybody else. What situation can you not, what situation can you not play Nick Suzuki in? First part of the question. Second part of the question is, and what situation does he not, is he not capable of excelling in? I, I'd be very comfortable putting Nick Suzuki up against anybody. So would I. And I don't think there's any situation in the game where he cannot excel. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you answered that question that Nick Suzuki can be a number one centerman 
on a cup winger. Oh, yeah. What we also oh, yeah. discussed last 100% night. One hundred percent in on it. <laughs> what we also discussed last night, however, was um, was was potential. Kirby Doc never prior to or even in the National Hockey League and prior to entering the National Hockey League, never put up better offensive numbers than Nick Suzuki. Yet he went third overall in his draft year, and Nick Suzuki went 13th overall in his draft year. So I know every draft year is different, and one guy that's 13 one year could end up being eight in another draft year. Having said that, because scouts like to put an onus on big bodies, you would think that most scouts would have thought when they were both drafted in different spots that Doc had a higher ceiling. Do you think Kirby Doc still has a higher ceiling than Nick Suzuki? And I know it's hard to tell because of the injuries. No, that he's not had. at all. Not at all. I never thought he did. No, eh? So I don't, I don't care about the injuries. I never thought he did. Listen, you're going to go into a draft, and Kirby Doc has, has got a lot of talent. I, I think that, like, a big part of scouting, I shouldn't say a big part of scouting. What I should say is aspects of scouting, there's certain parts – that you cannot be certain at it, it, advancing from one level to another level. You, you project, you see what they can do. You believe yeah. what they can do and you see the skills. I mean, Kirby can handle the puck and shoot the puck and, 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 he's, and he's a good player. I don't want to say that teams in all sports are guilty of this when scouting more than anything else, more than missing. They're guilty of this. They over project players. They overproject players. I think the biggest key when you're when you're when you're scouting is to be very realistic about the player that you're evaluating and what he can be. I think, and that, that goes for football, baseball, hockey, basketball, overprojection. Overprojection is 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 the Achilles heel of scouting. Craig, I'd rather uh, underproject than overproject. And unfortunately, yeah. Teams overproject. This uh, this has been a real treat tonight. I'm not going to keep you much longer because I'm going to end up taking some phone calls here and let the fans speak because uh, this is a game to talk about. Michael Matheson, 32 minutes and 21 seconds. <laughs> what? It, 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 look, you, you know, you talked about uh, the Malik goal in the shootout, but uh, so we've seen some pretty long shootouts before. I have to tell you, and I might be wrong here. And I'm sure I'll be corrected from some people letting us know here, but that might be the longest shootout I've seen the Montreal Canadiens involved in. I don't remember the Canadians going 12 rounds before. Yeah, 24 shooters. I, like you know, I mean, when, I mean, somebody's going to find it for you. Somebody's going to have that data. But I, I listen, you, you know, it, it's got to be 20. When you get to 24 shooters, you're already into long territory. Yeah, I Would mean, you. I can't. There's not very many. The question came up a couple, probably about a month ago. But would you change the overtime? Would you? Would you remove the shootout? Yes or no, and why? Okay, number one, it's not so much about removing the 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 uh, the shootout. Yeah. Back in back leading up to the lockout in 0405, you know, I, I was a manager. We we had talked a lot about it. I, I like I was not a big fan of introducing the shootout now. Coming back in the league, you know, with the, with all the rules changes and everything, I, I, I remember clear as yesterday, mm -hmm. standing, I was in Vancouver for the first shootout game, and I went down behind the Zamboni, and I stood there, and I looked up, 
and every single person in the arena was standing up. The excitement was palatable. And I remember, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if I phoned Coley or, or I think I must have phoned Coley and I said, whatever I said about the shootout, I take it all back. It's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. now, now, now we, we've had a lot of, you know, we've had some different changes, you know, with the overtime four on four to three on three switching set. I, I, I think the first step is to let's listen to the players about extending the overtime, not eliminating the shootout, but let's extend the overtime. Does that mean we go to seven minutes? Does that mean we go to eight minutes? You know, that's what I would do. Just give it a little bit more time in the actual three on three before I would go to, because one of the things that we don't want, in my view, that we don't want to have, we do not want to have uh, games end in ties. We, we just don't. No. And no. I think that, that, so how do you, so, so how do we do it? Okay. So let's, the players want to play a little more three on three. Well, let's, let's get, let's let that play out then and see how it works. Yeah. No sports fan wants to see a game end in a tie. It's just a bad way to go to bed type of thing. Uh, Craig Bunn, PSN director of scouting. Always a treat. Thank you very much for joining me tonight on the sick podcast. I will talk to you. I don't, uh, hopefully next week. Uh, and then we can. Yeah, probably... We'll talk next Wednesday. Now, yeah. hey, listen, you, you think you're getting off the hook here. You're not getting off the hook, Mr. Marinero. Tell me. Do you, do you want the shootout gone? Um, I would have said yes before tonight. And if you read, <laughs> and if you take a look at social media, all anyone is talking about is the fact that it was an amazing shootout. It went to 12 <laughs> rounds. This guy can score. That guy can't. This guy was lucky. That guy was unlucky. This goalie made a great save. He should have stopped that one. And so all of a sudden, like you, like you had that moment when you picked up the phone and you called Coley Campbell, I'm having that moment where I'm saying, you know what? I can think whatever I want. The game belongs to the fans. And if most of the fans like it and are standing up and they're writing about it, they're tweeting about it, and maybe I just got to swallow my pill, and we keep the uh, we keep the uh, the shootout. You know, do you, do you know what they call that, Tony? They call that progress, and 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 they call and and I think that's being accepting uh, of the masses, really liking it. And and remember, at, at, as we get a little bit older, uh, younger people that are picking up the game, they don't know the game without the shootout. They don't yeah. know the game without the shootout. So, you know, that's important to keep in mind, too. And, uh, you, you know, as we try to balance things out and try to understand what we can do. But, you know, I, I agree with you about it's the fans game. And when the if the fans aren't excited about things and we got to look at things and I, I, just quickly, we, we go back to the prior to the lockout. There, there was fans weren't excited about the way the game was being played. Yeah, it, it was it was it was it was a slog. And we've come out of it. Adjustments have been made. And I think that that's why the fans are excited. I think that's why revenues are up in the National Hockey League in hockey. I think that's why people are buzzing tonight yeah. on social media talking about 24-player shootout. <laughs> Craig, have a great night. Thanks so much, my man. You too. Thanks, Bye. Cheers. There you have it. Craig Button. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Labitta TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TB, embrace your true nature. We are going to take calls in about a minute i think in yellow sammy and juliana master control brought up the number so that you can see it folks this is a game to talk about the canadians were up by a score of two to one 
uh, pardon me, 2 nothing. then up by a score of 3-1, to one, and then had a chance to win it in overtime on a power play and ultimately end up losing in round 12 of the shootout by a score of 4-3. to three. So the number is one 585 The Sick Podcast also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. And, of course, I welcomed already, and I will again because this is their first full week, uh, welcoming Accent Insurance Solutions, a sponsor of the SICK Podcast. You know all insurance isn't created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you, Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance. They shop insurance for you to find the right product right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, automobile, or business. It's funny. When I saw Accent's phone number, I immediately thought of my friend Sergio Momesso because their number is 514-363-3636. It's now time for your calls. You called. Presented by Playground. Is presented by Playground, also a partner and sponsor of the Sick Podcast. Are you ready to win a million at Playground? Earn entries daily and return every Sunday for a shot at the half a million dollar weekly grand prize and one million dollar at the grand finale. Playground can make your dreams come true. Visit playground.ca for details. And once again, we are going to be live at Playground in Ganawage this Saturday. And I'm going to bring you a special edition pregame show celebrating the grand opening of Playground's newly revamped, renovated, beautiful casino. We want to see you there. We want to get you there. We want to talk to you. We want to mingle. We want to put a face to a name, and we want you all to get to know each other. The game will be on in the background, but there will be plenty to keep you entertained. You can play the slots, and if you want to play the slots and you want to order a drink, guess what? The drinks are on the house when you are playing the slots or playing poker. They've opened up or they're going to be opening up a couple of brand-new restaurants as well, a steakhouse and a sushi restaurant. You're going to love it. It's You have to see it to believe it, and I'm sure that once you walk in and you see it, you are going to go back, and so we have a chance to see you there. I will be there, I would say, give or take, at around 5.45 p.m. maximum because I'm going to be going on talking about the pregame starting at 6 o'clock, and it is my intention to stay there until at least 11 o'clock that night because uh, in between periods and maybe even after the game, uh, I'm going to play a little slots myself. Where are we going exactly? Stalker. I love being your stalker, not your manager. Hello. Hello. Yeah, who's this? Is it Tony? No. Is it it's Tony? No, Tony's up. Who's this? Jacob. Jacob, it's Francesco. Hello? Jacob, it's Francesco. What do you want to talk to Tony about? Um, I want to talk about because I was at the game tonight and okay. uh, I have a few interesting uh questions as well to Craig Button as well. Okay, we have uh, just a very quick poll going on right now. Where would you rank the sick podcast in terms of your favorite podcast? Anywhere between one and ten, one being the best? One? Uh, Yeah, close to one. I love it. You love it? Okay, very, very good. You're going to go on in ten seconds, okay? Ten, nine, perfect. Tony! Jacob is the line one. 
Let's go to Jacob on line one. Jacob, are you there? I'm Marinero. What's going on, Jacob? Well, I'm the Bears. Yes, sir. What's going on, my man? Well, I just came back from the – I'm currently underneath underground parking and right next to the Bell Center, but uh, I was at the yeah. game. It was an amazing game. The shame yeah. that they lost the game, but, hey, a big fan. Um, I watch you on GC. I watch you on your podcast pretty much every day. I'm a huge fan. and uh, Thank you. Yeah, um, I was told by Francesco. I was told by Francesco helping us out. As a matter of fact, that you gave us a pretty nice rating of uh, one of the oh, top yeah. podcasts out there. Really much appreciate that, my man. Well, let's just let's just say if I hate it, I wouldn't watch it every day. That's You're right. the best, Jacob. You're oh, the best. What are your thoughts on the uh, game, Jacob? No, what are your thoughts? And uh, is Craig still there? No, he left. Unfortunately. Oh, he did. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's just say. It was a pretty entertaining game, but it's a shame. It's a shame they lost. But hey, I, I always say like every loss now is a win in the future because they're probably probably going to finish in the bottom seven in the NHL. And you know, if they get lucky in the lottery, obviously winning is going to hurt their chances at the lottery. And you know, I I watched your podcast yesterday with Snake and um, uh, Rick McCag, and it was really you know I think Celebrini is going to be a heck of a player. So yeah, I don't know if they'll get him, but it, they I'd like them to improve their odds, but. I, obviously, if I'm going to go to the belt fan, I'd like games like this, obviously. But I found the snake a, li a little bit reserved yesterday. He was not as uh, flamboyant, or he didn't come out swinging the way I thought he was. Instead, it was Grant McCagg who came out swinging last yeah, yeah, night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Grant was coming out swinging. Grant was, was, was uh, he was going with the heavy artillery last night. Yeah, with Mitskov and stuff, yeah. So what do you think of the snake? Oh, oh, the yeah. guy I call Userpent. Well, yeah, let's just say he's really, you know, he, he has an opinion, all right. And uh, yeah. I agree with certain stuff. I disagree with others. But, yeah. you know, I, I do think that Nick Suzuki on a Stanley Cup winning team is probably a number two center. Cole Caulfield, it depends. Like, Marcheseau was not really credited as a superstar, but he was an undersized player and he won the Smite. So we'll see. But I would like, I would like obviously, that the Canadians get a high draft pick. And if it, obviously, if they get Celebrini, they will get he will probably be their best player. So, yeah, well, it's going to be a stretch to get Celebrini because to get Celebrini, let's be honest, you have to finish last in the national hockey league and then still win the lottery. I mean, it's going to be a stretch. I mean, yeah. you know, I yeah. look, that's here's the guy that everyone's saying right now is going to go first overall. Yeah. But there's guys too, like in the draft, like Lindstrom and uh, Demidov as well as Iserman that could be really good players as well. I just I I see tonight's game and in overtime with the amount of chances that they had I just I, I feel like they had another guy that could snipe the puck. I understand Kirby Doc's not there, but yeah, it, it, every time I just see them miss a chance or hit the post, I'm like, oh, I just they need to get that goal, you know? And they they just they, they never seem to get that goal when they need one most. So I just you know it, it's okay. They 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 battled hard tonight. They played a really good game. Let's just hope that it that um, they play well like this. I think the best the, the best way for them to lose is to play really well, but just get unlucky, you know? I hear you, my man. I hear you. Thanks so much for calling, Jacob. I'll talk to you soon. one 585 7425 is the number. one 585 sick You just heard from Jacob, who's leaving the Bell Center. He was at the game. What an exciting game it was. The Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 4-3 to three in a shootout, a 12-round shootout after... Uh, having surrendered a couple of leads in the game, they're up by a score of two to nothing and up by a score of three to one. Uh, we have other calls. Where are we going exactly?
We have Larry. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I have to say that was a great game tonight. Great game. Uh, somewhere in about the second period, I said to myself, could you imagine what this team's going to look like in about two or three years with what they got there with these young guys? Yeah, there was. Yeah, I am. It was. I'm listening to you speak. It was an encouraging game. This is what I want, Larry. I just want to be entertained. I'm okay. I'm not going to lose any sleep that they might not make the playoffs. I'm not going to lose any sleep that they lose more often than not. I'm not going to lose any sleep that, you know, as a matter of fact, I think it's pretty cool that like 30 something percent of their game is going to overtime or whatever it is because it means they're competitive. It means they're close. And once again, a game like tonight, six goals. And then you go to overtime and you have a power play and then you go to the shootout and you go 12 rounds. I mean, tonight's game was worth the price of admission. The, uh, the defenseman back there, the, the kid, number 47, I, he just slipped my mind. What's his Struble. name? Struble. Jaden Struble. That, that kid's good. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that he's good. And you're right. That kid came in. And he seized an opportunity. He was called up, and shortly after he was called up, they found out that Jordan Harris was going for imaging, and Jordan Harris was going to be out of the lineup. He comes into the lineup, and don't forget, David Savard coming back, the guy they took out of the lineup was Lindstrom. And I get it that Savard's a righty and Struble is, is, uh, is a lefty, but this kid, you don't talk about him at the end of the game in terms of making mistakes. I mean, which game did Jaden Struble play that he looked weak, that he turned the puck over, that, you know what, he ended up causing a goal against? He he plays within his limits. He has a real good sense of anticipation in when jumping into the rush. He did it in Buffalo and scored. He jumped up tonight and scored again. This kid's good. He can play. Oh, yes. Uh, that was a good pick by Bergeron, I must say. I've been following this kid now for four years, and he's he's as strong as a mule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Trevor well, Timmons, I, I think Trevor Timmons saw him at St. Sebastian's and fell in love with him, and Mark Bergeron said, this kid's a Greek god. Yeah. Tony, how many first rounds did Montreal get in the next upcoming draft? How many first rounds does Montreal have in the upcoming draft? Off the top of my head, I'm not going to, I don't know the answer to that question, but I can ask in yellow Sammy and Juliana and master control to dig it up and they can try and get it for us. How many first round picks do the Montreal Canadians have in the 2024 draft? I think that they get Calgary's. I think they have their own and they have another one. I believe they have two, but I could be, do they have two? I believe they have two. But is I'm going to make their own uh, coming up and one I'm, from that trade uh, or from taking uh, or Cal- Calgary's draft. You're talking about Sean Monahan being traded to the Canadians? Right, right. And the Canadians ended up getting a first round pick in that deal? Right. I believe that's the pick, but I, I want to look it up right now. Hold on a second here. No, the Flames have traded. A conditional 2025 first round pick. So the, the that trade was a 2025 pick, not a 2024. 
But okay. I'll make I'll make a yellow and Sammy and Juliana look it up as well anyway. How many picks they have in 2024? But the one for Monaghan is 2025. I have a feeling Kent Hughes with the picks that he has, the people that he has, the assets that he has there, you're going to get some real good big forwards coming up in the next year or two. I can assure you there'll be no little guys. Well, they, you know, you want balance and they probably have enough little guys right now. So I think that's probably safe to say. Thanks so much for your call. We'll talk to you soon, Larry. Very, very good call by you. one uh, 585 Where are we you. going here? Where are we going? Thank you. Sir. Thank you, Larry. Agnello and Sammy, where are we going? Hello. Hello, who's this? Anthony. Andon. Hello? Yes, hello. Who's this? Yes, it's Anthony. <laughs> Anthony! Hey, how are you? Very good, you. Go to the back again, like last time. What happened? <laughs> last time you said you had to go take a, take a whiz and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I went. Yeah, I was drinking a lot of water that night. Yeah, I don't have to go tonight. Tonight I ended up going before the show. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Good. Uh, Tony... I just wanted to mention one player that needs to pick up his slack is Josh Anderson. You know the the other the other but was it earlier? I was looking up one of us uh, like a stat on Cap Friendly, and yeah. if you look up salary per point, obviously yeah. it's not TJ uh, TJ Oshie, which is I wouldn't want to have him. Yeah, but if you look up yeah. two players that have two attackers, two yes. forwards that have played more than 20 games, you would see, like, the worst two, uh, well, not the worst two, but one of the worst two players is is Joel Armia and Josh Anderson. It's a, it's a nightmare of a oh, season for Josh Anderson. He's got one goal that came 180 feet away with no goalie. It's a nightmare of a season. That's it. And you, if you look at all those stats, he's the only one. He's the one that has over 50 shots on net. Yeah. And like you said, he it was the only goal he scored was when there was no goalie. So that that's I just wanted to bring up that and you yeah. know two contracts, uh, Joel Armia and uh, Josh Anderson. You put those two contracts together, man, we could have a <laughs> for sure a top uh, a top line uh, forward. You know, at one point last year, Josh Anderson was really hot. And I remember there's a guy in the media who said the time to trade him is now because his stock is only going to go down. He's going to end up getting cold. And at that point, when he does, teams are going to look at him and they'll look at his salary of $5.5 million and you won't be able to trade him until probably the final year of his contract. And uh, uh, I forget who it was that brought that up. Um, uh, uh, Brown, curly hair, was curlier last week, ended up getting a haircut this week. Bluish green eyes, color changes depending on what he wears exactly. If he wears a blue top, his eyes will come out blue. If he wears a green top, his eyes will come out green. He's got a way with words. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a great personality. He's got a real nice sense of humor as well. And, um, you know, conducts his shows with a lot of passion and energy. You're not paid $5.5 million to smile and to have a good personality, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about me. I'm the one who brought it up that he should have been traded a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony. Oh, but, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Tell me, Anthony. Anthony, tell me. Bring oh, it, Anthony. Oh, bring it. 
No, it's fine. It's fine. If you have to go, you have to go. No, no, I don't have to go, Anthony. You're the most important person in the world to me right now, but I'm going to let you know that the second the show is over, my wife is going to be the most important person in the world to me. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Anthony, who are you with right now? Are you alone? You're with your buddies? Where are you exactly? I'm actually heading to work now. I'm currently talking on Bluetooth in my car. Uh, You're headed to work right now. What do you do exactly? Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a technician at uh, Post Canada. You're uh, that's, that's 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 a that's a good job. <laughs> yeah, pays the bills. Yeah, what are, what are, that's that that's a government job, my friend. What are your work hours? Uh, I work I work the graveyard shift, uh, eleven thirty to seven thirty. Eleven thirty to seven thirty. No supervisor there. You can do whatever you want. Poof, who's better than you? Nobody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony, good for you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for calling me on your way to work. Right. And you pick up the phone, you give me a call. Right. I appreciate that. All right, all right. There you have it, Anthony. Back to the phone lines we go at one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. One triple eight five eight five seven four two five. Who's gonna be joining us at playground on Saturday night? I'll be there at around five forty five PM, maybe even five thirty. Why not? The Cavalaros will be there too. They're gonna set up a table, they're gonna put up their banner, this, that, all that stuff. We're gonna mingle, we're gonna talk. We'll have a beverage. Who's going to be there? This beautiful, sick army that we have, this sick community. The big question going around town right now is, Stefan from Quebec Cité, is he making his way down on Saturday night? And will we see La Belle Jose? And how about everyone who comes on here and starts trolling the Montreal Canadiens? I have one guy who was on earlier today, and he started saying, well, they didn't draft Michkov so that they can have Pozzetta here, and they can have this guy there, and they can have this guy here. Folks, if you want to say that you think they should have drafted Michkov, it's okay. But don't say they should have drafted me. They didn't draft Michkov so they can have these guys in the lineup. He's not coming over for three years anyway, even if he would have been their pick. So, you know, let's be honest here. Um, Who else do we have here? Hey, Tony? Yeah. How are you doing? It's Dave calling. Dave, Dave. How are you, Dave? Man, I'm doing very well. It's a hard life to live in Toronto and be a huge Habs fan. <laughs> yeah, but there's, 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 you know, there's other good things about Toronto too. <laughs> there is. Yeah, you know the best thing about Toronto. Well, it's not the Leafs. No, it's the 401 back to Montreal. That absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make my trip out there to still see a game because I see a game every year. Well, yeah, you see a game every year, and well, you see a game every year in Montreal. Yeah, if you're gonna see a game in uh, Toronto, you're gonna have to sell your kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> or go to Buffalo and Detroit to watch. Listen, listen, we like to have fun in Toronto. Us Montrealers and Torontonians like to have fun with us as well. Uh, here's the reality: Toronto's a great sports town. Uh, Toronto's a very, very good sports town. Toronto has. Uh, Toronto FC, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Argonauts, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Raptors. Toronto has a lot. They have Absolutely. a lot. No, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, oh, yeah, they got right. a basketball team. Montreal does not. <laughs> that very, yeah, exactly. They got a baseball team. Montreal does not. That's we used, two, we used to. That's <laughs> two major league sports. That they have in Toronto, that they don't have in Montreal. I wish that we brought. I wish they, they, brought they also they also got a pretty nice stadium, and Montreal has one in the East End that is absolutely falling apart. Uh, it's got a roof that has like two thousand tears in it, and I don't know how many times it's actually been it's been tearing up. And now they're talking about repairing this roof, 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. This is this is the best part. Okay, there's no full time tenant in that building. They probably have about I don't know. They probably use that building about twenty times a year. There's no full time tenant in that building, and now they want to put anywhere between seven hundred and fifty million to a billion dollars to repair the roof. In a building that nobody wants to go to, there's no team playing there, is out of this way to get there. And if you want to get there, you got to take the Metro, but they're going to keep it. And there's no way they're going to demolish it or tear it apart or whatever, because it's a symbol for Montreal. Oh, maybe they're trying to bring a sport team back there. The symbol, the symbol, it's a symbol. Nobody wants to go to a game there because they're worried about a piece of cement falling on their head. Anyway, I had my rent. What's going on, Dave? Happened years and years ago. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, I'm. I love this team. You know, it's unfortunate they can't get into a to a, a little bit of a role. This win, you know, win lose, win lose, win lose. I mean, it keeps them. You know, right now I believe they're three points out of a playoff spot. Am I expecting them to make the playoffs? No. Do I expect them to make a run to make it at least close? Absolutely. My my issue is. You know, I know everybody's talking about Josh Anderson. My biggest issue is is getting rid of that third goalie. Um, you know, Jake Allen to me has done his his you know he's done everything he could. Yeah. Uh, but I think that it's time that we we've seen enough of Montembeau. We're giving him a three year contract. We, he's he's done great. He did an absolutely fantastic job again tonight. Um, it looks like Caden Primo has finally you know he, he's found a little bit of of a rhythm. Um, if I can package a Jake Allen and then Josh Anderson and, and, and get some draft picks so that maybe we can bring up a Joshua Law um, or one of them. Was not ready. Was not ready. He started strong, and then I don't know what's happened, but he's fallen he off the face well. of the earth in the last little while. I say this. They're going to keep Jake Allen here until they can trade him, and then they're going to end up trading him at one point. And, and you know what? There might be a package deal. We'll see. But I think Caden Primo convinced the brass with his last performance, if he hadn't already, that he needs to stay. They're a rebuilding team. He's the youngest of the three goaltenders. He earns the least. Yep. And, of course, you want to try and save as much as you can because, um, and, and he, you know, he's nowhere near his full potential or his prime. So there's no doubt that, uh, in my opinion, they'll keep Primo here. So what do you think about right now with the situation with uh, Jack Eye being in the minors? Do you not believe um, – in my opinion, I mean, he he adds another element of toughness. With but Struble's playing well. He, he does, uh, but he does, but you know, there's only one game that we talked about them missing Jacki, and that was the game in Buffalo where they got roughed up a bit. But this is what I believe. Even though I believe it's always nice to have one of those guys in the lineup, and I know that those who did the role were will vehemently disagree with me, and that's fine. Okay, even though it's always nice to have one of those guys in the lineup. You think Buffalo that night wouldn't have played the way they played if Jack I would have been on the bench or he would have been on the ice? We they, oh. like like Toronto gets roughed up and they got Ryan Reeves. Like it, it, it I don't know. I don't I, I will say this. Jean Charles Lajoie at one point said if Jack I gets called back up and you have too many defensemen. You can try him at forward every now and then. And and I know some people don't like the idea, 
I'm not against it. The Canadians have a couple of forwards tonight that got six and seven minutes on the fourth line. Jack Guy would not be the first defenseman that would end up playing as a winger on a fourth line. There have been many enforcers who were defensemen who ended up playing on the wing at some point. Doesn't mean you have to stay on the wing. It's just an insurance policy, like Accent Insurance Solutions. That's all it is. <laughs> well, then don't you start to question having Pizzetta in the lineup there because he, he is supposed to be that guy also. He's well, he's, I mean, but there's a difference in weight class between Michael Pizzetta and Arbor Jack. I mean, I mean, Oscar De La Hoya is not, uh, he's not Mike Tyson. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for calling. Hey, I appreciate it. Enjoy Toronto. Jill. Let's go to Jill on our last call of the night. Hello. Is this Jill? It's Jill. Like Jill the fish poisson. Jill the fish poisson. Hey, what an amazing name that was. I remember those. Hey, what a what a name that was, eh? Is there a better ring than Gilles de Fish Poisson? Amazing. That that was my that was my nickname growing up. Is that right? You see that? You didn't know I could read yeah. minds, right? I can I can I, <laughs> I, I see these things. I see these things, yeah. Gilles, what's going on? Where are you calling me from? I'm calling you from Ottawa, but I'm a Montreal Canadian fan. Well, we went from Toronto to Ottawa. What's 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 the story here? What are you doing in Ottawa? I live there. I'm 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 a Quebecer living in Ottawa because I I grew up in in Elmer I, and I grew up loving the Canadians. I moved to Ottawa, and I just I just find it really strange that after 20 25 years with the Senators being in Ottawa, that everybody in Gatineau are still cheering for the Montreal Canadiens. Is that right? Eh? I think I think the Senators need to move downtown. And as much as I love my Canadians, I yeah. think. It's a uh, it's a shame that not more people are cheering for the Senators, and I say that as a Montreal Canadian. I hear you. They have some exciting players. So, which of the two oh, organizations? Question, which of the two organizations is going to win a cup first, Montreal or Ottawa? Ooh, ooh. I th- I think Montreal. You think Montreal? Eh? I can't bet against my team. Yeah, I can't. I love Stutzla, by the way. Oh yeah, I love that player. Tell me, what's your question? My question: I go to my son lives in Pordenone, Italy, in uh, Fruglia, Venezia region. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I've never been there, but I've, I'm definitely familiar with it. And, and I love Italy. I've been to the Dolomites. I spent a month in Sardinia. Oh, really? I you doing your? I see you doing your show from uh, Florida. I, I've seen you in Spain. Yeah, I would love for you to do a show from Italy and I would be there and you tell me which t-shirt play your best players, you name it. I'm going to be your number one fan. Uh, cheering you. you on. Thank you. What's your son doing in Italy? What's your son doing in Italy? Uh, he's an engineer. He works for Electrolux. Oh, good for him. He loves it. He his his grandfather uh, came to Ottawa as a tourist. And uh, he, he he never lost his citizenship. So my all my children are Italian. Yeah, my wife is Italian. How old is your son? I'm taking Italian courses. How old is your son? Maybe someday I'll be Italian too. <laughs> How old is your son? He's thirty-one. Yeah, working for Electrolux, he must pick up a lot. Electrolux. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, thank you. I thought that was funny. 
Hopefully we can get endorsed by Electrolux because I also know they make beautiful giant fridges, by the way. Yeah. I yeah, want to see them. They're really, they're really big in uh, washing machines over there. But, you know, nobody nobody runs a dryer in, in Italy. No, no, that I know. Nobody runs a dryer in Italy. As a matter of fact, I'm going to visit my son in Portugal in a couple of weeks, and he doesn't have a dryer in his place either, just a washer. So I'll be doing two weeks' worth of shows live from Portugal, and who knows, maybe one day, if his future takes him to Italy or I happen to vacation there, I'll end up doing a show from Italy as well. Uh, one quick question from you, and then I'll say goodnight. What is it, my man? Sorry? Do you have any questions before we let you go? No? Yes? No. No, I just want to tell you that your show is amazing. I'm Thank your you. biggest fan. Thank I, you. I love the vibe. I love your guests. I love how how uh, you debate things. I think it's, uh, it's just a wonderful thing. We, uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the team of collaborators that we've put together. Uh, once again, Eric Engels. Maxime Lapierre, Craig Button, Snake. George Larac, Mike Johnson, Graham McCagg, Simon the Snake Boisvert. Um, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, Marc Andre Perrault and Nicolas Cloutier, both of TVA Spar, will be my guests. Um, Anthony Martineau has been on before, Charles Alexis Brisbois, uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, we try, tried to get Jean Perron on, but we had a technical problem. And at one point, I'm hoping that we will be able to get him on. Pierre Maguire has been on before, and I'm gonna, I think you're going you're gonna to end up seeing Pierre on uh, much more frequently going floor, forward. He's going to be a great guest as well. Thank you so much for the kind words, my man. We'll talk to you soon. All the best to you. Okay. All right, there you have it. All right, that was Gilles the Fish Poisson. That was his name growing up. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by La Bit TB. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Accent Insurance Solutions. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Playground, where the Sick Podcast with me, Marinero, and the Cavallaros and our team will be there on Saturday night. Once again, we're going to get set up, give or take, at around 5.30 p.m. And at 6 p.m., we're going to go live for a special edition pregame podcast. What are we celebrating? Well, uh, Playground, it's their opening week. They've been open for years and years and years, but this is their opening to show off the brand-new, revamped, renovated, playground you have to see it i had a sneak peek by the way when was it yesterday was it yesterday it was yesterday i had a sneak peek it's really and it wasn't finished yet but it'll be finished in 100 percent by saturday night we want you to see it i'm telling you once we get you there you're going to find yourself going back at the same time we also wanted to have a get together we wanted to have a chance where everyone could put a face to a name and this beautiful Sikh army and Sikh community can gather and talk and get to know each other and have fun and maybe end up playing the slots and all that stuff and having a really good time the way people do at the casino. So bring your identification because they'll set you up with a membership card once you get in and, um, you know, play responsibly, play so that 
you can stretch out your time there and be there for a couple of hours and it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun for sure. Look forward to seeing you all on Saturday night. Until then, be back tomorrow night. The Sick Podcast will at 10 p.m. weeknights from Yellow Sammy and Juliana and Master Control. Tell all your friends about it. Comment Sick, S-I-C-K. Like it and share it with your friends. Leave us a five-star review on Apple if you can. It's our way of feeling the love for the hard work that we put in. It's always nice when it goes noticed. Have a great night, everyone. Montreal Canadiens lose. But what a fun hockey game it was to watch. They lose by a score of four to three in a shootout, a 12-round shootout, three points. Markham three for Sidney Crosby. Three points for Sidney Crosby. The Montreal Canadiens, um, on their end, they end up getting some pretty good performances, especially from David Savard and Sean Monaghan, who I thought were very, very good in this hockey game. And the Canadians end up blowing what was a 2 nothing and a 3-1 lead. They get goals by Savard and Struble, two defensemen, and Sean Monaghan. Their goals come in period number one, and they were shut out the rest of the way. What a game, though. What a game. What a podcast. Have a good night. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.